All right. Welcome, everyone, to today's Google Search Central SEO Office Hours Hangout. My name is John Mueller. I'm a search advocate on the search relations team here at Google in Switzerland. And part of what we do are these office hour sessions where people can join in and ask their questions around the website and the web search. Uh, it looks like we have a, a bunch of questions submitted, but we also have a ton of people raising their hands already. So maybe we'll just jump right in and start with the first folks. Uh, let's see, Nirav, I think you're on top of the list here. Yeah, hi, John. Thanks for the opportunity. So my uh, first question is, uh, uh, do, uh, does Google Search Console consider image, image packs, video packs, local listing into the rankings? Or those are just skipped and directly the URLs are counted? We, we try to include everything that includes a link to your site. So if, if there is a, a block of images and one of those images is from your site and it links to your site, then that would count. Or if there's a local listing that is shown and there's a list to your website there, then that would count. Uh, so if there are people also ask questions, that is also considered into the ranking, right? If, if that link is shown, then that would be considered, yes. OK, thank you so much. Uh, my second question is, uh, so uh, this is like a case study. We had a page for electric bikes and scooters. OK, and later on, we, we understood that electric scooter is also uh, you know, a very big uh, search uh, when it comes to volume. And uh, electric bike and electric scooter as a product are two different things. So we thought of creating two separate pages. Uh, at first, we, we had just one page. And now it's almost like six to eight months. Uh, we used to rank well for electric bike and scooter, which is in top five, uh, when we were having just the electric bike page. But now, after having electric scooter and electric bike page, still the electric bike page ranks, and electric scooter page doesn't rank. We have tried a number of things, like uh, you know, trying to uh, separate the content of the two pages, uh, generate more and more internal links, giving electric scooter link from electric bike page, but still it doesn't show up in SERP. Uh, so should we you know, wait for some more time so that Google can understand the intent, or uh, will it be wise to you know, merge those pages again? That's more of, of a strategic question, almost, because uh, essentially you can take one page and you can split it up into multiple parts. But that also means that each of those individual parts will kind of have to uh, battle it out on their own. And sometimes it makes sense to have fewer pages so that you can kind of have fewer really strong pages. Uh, sometimes it makes sense to have pages that are specifically targeted on individual items. And finding that balance is something that is essentially up to you and is more of a strategic question. And I think the, the things that you're doing there sound like the right things, but whether or not this will lead to kind of success for that specific query is, is hard to say, and it might change right. over time. Okay, so we have already given three to four months. So should we? Will it be wise to wait for you know few more months so that Google can pick up, or it it is more like a sufficient time to this thing? I I can't say. I like if okay. if nothing nothing changes on on the web, then I wouldn't just wait. But if you're continuously working on improving these pages and kind of their their context and the content, then maybe giving it more time makes sense. But that's that's ultimately up to you. Sure, sure. Thank you so much, John. Sure. All right, uh, Praveen. Hi, John. How are you? Hi. Hi. Uh, so my question is about product reviews update. And this is basically for my own understanding that I want to learn more about this thing. I just wanted to understand how Google uh, identifies whether a page or site is related to product reviews. So let me give you an example. Like there are case studies that tell you that there are um, it's mainly affiliate sites that you know they they because they write about product reviews, pros and cons. They compare products. Uh, but for example, there is an e-commerce site uh, which is selling pens, fountain pen, ball ball pen, and that, that that kind of stuff. And they also have a blog where they uh, review their own products. They they do write about pros and cons of their products, compare different products. So. But though it's an e-commerce site, but their blog is uh, also talking about product reviews. So can Google, like Google, will Google uh, say that okay, this is also product reviews, and can be, uh, you know, analyzed through analyzed by product reviews update. You know, product reviews update can impact that content. 
I, I mean, the, the recommendations we have for product reviews, I, I think they would be relevant for any kind of product Ooh. review. So I wouldn't necessarily try to see, like, does Google think my site is a product review site or not? And then I will do these good practices. But rather, if you think these good practices would apply to your content, then like, just do those good practices. Uh, so that's kind of how, how I would see it, not like, does Google think I fit into this category? Therefore, I must follow these, these steps. But rather, do these steps make sense for my content? And if so, then just do that, yeah. OK, uh, just a follow-up question on this. Uh, the same uh, e-commerce site, they have these product category pages where they have listed all the products, like pens. But they also uh, like uh, it's, it's a standard practice for most of these sites that they, they create a lot of content on these category pages, like 2,000, 3,000 words of content. And that content also talks about product reviews. Like they're they're just saying that uh, these type of pens you can buy pros and cons. So it seems like a product review page more than a category page. So, so I can Google get confused here. Like it's a product review page or it's a category page based I mean, on the content. Usually things like category pages are pretty clear to understand. But but again, like I, I would think more about whether or not these recommendations make sense for that piece of content or not. And like just because Google might get confused that it could be a review uh, because you have a lot of products on it doesn't necessarily mean that it makes sense to follow those steps. But a lot of times, though, those recommendations still make sense. OK. OK. Uh, just one more question. Uh, it's, it's about indexing API. Uh, so the, the Google Docs, uh, it mentions that the indexing API should be used for uh, pages like job posting or broadcasting events. You know? okay, uh, is it possible that we, we can try this API for different type of content, like uh, some news articles or you know, blog content, that kind of? I mean, that people, tr people try <laughs> it, but essentially that's like what we have documented is what we use the API for. So if, if you don't have content that falls into those categories, then the API really isn't kind of going to help you there. I just want to understand, if we give it a try, will it, will it impact negatively in some way? That no. Be no. no. But I mean, yeah. if you don't have job postings, then it, there's like nothing to yeah. do with, with that API. <laughs> OK, no problem. Thank sure. you. All right, uh, Isabel. Hello, John. Hi. Hi. Uh, well, uh, our question is about um, our brand keyword, our main brand keyword. We were talking about um, this extreme behavior two weeks ago. Uh, is about um, when we have a brand like uh, in face, um, we are in the first position in the search engineer. Um, when we add um, our brand, Power Planet, uh, our website is filtered by the uh, by Google. Uh, we would like uh, to know why um, the the cause um, for why Google <laughs> filter our website when uh, uh, the organic position is the first one when it's alone. Um, when we add our brand, is filtered. If, if you can maybe, maybe drop some of these examples into the chat, then I can pass those on to our team. I, I think I yeah. passed the the main kind of like the, the name query thing on to the team already, but I haven't heard anything back. Uh, so if you can include some examples there, that would be yes. really useful. This is the, the brand when we looking for in Google in face, we are in the face uh, in Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, we are in the first place. And when you add um, in face power planet, uh, our result is is filter. Um, mm -hmm. This behavior is in a lot of brands and even in products and categories. And we don't know why, and we make a lot of changes in the website in order to improve it. Um, the behavior uh, continues. Okay, uh, and and this is specific to Spain, or are you seeing it also in other countries? 
in Spain is the most relevant, but in some cases uh, uh, the behavior is in Portugal or in other countries. But in Spain is the most relevant and happened in the uh, almost brand. Okay. Okay. I, I'll check back with the team to see uh, what what they found so far. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. All right, Bahid. Uh, Hi, John. Have a good time. Hi. Um, I have some questions about EAT. In quality ratings guidelines, the author expertise are important. So do you think it's also important for a real algorithms? How, how do you mean? I mean, uh, EAT is just mentioned in quality ratings guidelines, but I want to know if real algorithms are also care about EAT factor like author's expertise. I, I would assume that there is some indirect kind of work done to try to to do similar things yes i mean we we put this in the guidelines so so that we can uh kind of guide the the quality testers to to double check these things and uh, if if we think that it's something important then i would assume that folks on the quality search quality side also work to try to understand that in a more algorithmic way but I, I wouldn't see like there's like an EAT score and you have to get five or something like that mm -hmm. on it. It's more kind of, kind of like trying to understand the context of the content on the web. And that's that's a very, I don't know, fuzzy, fuzzy area. Okay, thank you. Uh, in some article, I see people are speaking about unlinked brand mention. I want to know your opinion in this case. Do you think it's also important for algorithms on link brand mention? How, how do you mean brand mentions? Uh, it's like another website in article um, speaking about my website brand, but doesn't link to me. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of tricky because we don't really know what, what the context is there. Uh, so I mean, I, I don't think it's it's a bad thing just for users because if they can find your website through that mention, then that's that's always a good thing. But I wouldn't assume that there's like some I don't know SEO factor that is trying to figure out where someone is mentioning your website name. Okay, thank you. And what about user reviews or comments? Do you think it's also a ranking factor for an article or product? Like uh, comments on on the bottom of an article, yeah. yes. Um, I so so what what I think is is really useful there with those comments is that oftentimes people will write about the page in their own words, and that gives us a little bit more information on like how we can show this page in the search results. Uh, so from from that point of view, I think kind of comments are a good thing on a page. Obviously. Uh, finding a way to to maintain them in a reasonable way is sometimes tricky uh, because people also spam those comments and, and you know, like all kinds of crazy stuff happens there. Uh, but uh, overall, I think if if you can find a way to maintain comments on a web page, that gives you a little bit more context and helps people who are searching in different ways to also find your content. Thank you so much. And for the last question, um, do you think different type of SSL uh, is also important for SEO? No. Or just free SSL or enough? Free SSL is, is perfectly fine. Uh, so the different types of certificates is, is more a matter of kind of like, I don't know, like what, what you want to do with a certificate. But uh, from our point of view, we just watch out for, is this a valid certificate or not? And all of these certificates are valid. OK. Thank you so much. Sure. All right. Uh, wow, wow, I think. Hi, John. It's Vova. Yes. Hi. Great. Thank you. So I have a question regarding multiple job posting on different domains with job posting structured data, as I have understood in the guidelines, it's uh, 
not so good to post um, multiple times uh, structured data on the same page, let's say. So as an international job provider, we have a corporate structure with multiple brand websites, but also multiple subdomains for one brand. The question is, is it problematic if um, the same job postings are posted on the same root domain, but different subdomain with structured data from the job posting? So let's say one and the same job is one on jobs.domain.de and the other one is on www.domain.de. It's the same job, maybe different styling, but same structured data on both uh, subdomains is posted. Is there any uh, problem with that? I I don't know all of the details around job postings, but I I would assume that's perfectly fine because it's it's very common to have the same job posted on different websites, and those different websites could have structured data on them as well. Uh, so from that point of view, just having it hosted different times on the same website or in different subdomains, that should be perfectly fine as well. I I don't know the details of the all of the guidelines around job postings though, so. It might be that there is some obscure mention that you should only list it once on each website, but I would be surprised if that were a problem. Okay. Uh, so do you think it's uh, it will affect the Google for Jobs and it would appear two times on Google for Jobs, one for the one subdomain, one for the second subdomain, right? I don't know. I don't know how, how they would uh, try. Uh, because usually we, we do try to... Uh, dedupe different listings, and we do that for for all kinds of listings. So if it's an image, or if it's a web page, or anything else, where if we can recognize that it's the same primary content, we will try to just show it once. Um, I I would assume that we do the same thing for Google Jobs. I I don't know the details there though. Okay, thank you. Sure. All right, uh, Corinna. Yeah, hi, John. I have a question regarding internal duplicate content. So I have the content of a PDF file, a case study. I submitted to my website. Now I want to present it as well in a HTML blog article. Um, does this have any negative impact for my site uh, in terms of duplicate content? So we wouldn't see it as duplicate content because it's different content. It's like one is an HTML page, one is a PDF. It's e even if the primary piece of content on there is the same, the the whole thing around it is different. Uh, so kind kind of from that level, we we wouldn't see it as duplicate content. I I think at most the difficulty might be that in the search results it can happen that both of these show up at the same time, and uh, whether or not you want that to happen, that's more almost like a strategic question on your side. Uh, so I. From from my point of view, I wouldn't see it as a negative when it comes to SEO, but may, maybe you have strategic reasons to kind of have either the PDF or the HTML page more visible. So would then they compete against each other? Like would you say they could, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think for the most part, PDFs will probably be less visible just because they're less tied in with the rest of your website, mm -hmm. in that in your internal linking, you'll link to the web pages. And then from one of those web pages, you'll link to the PDF. Uh, so they'll be a little bit kind of de-emphasized there from internal linking. Um, but they, they could appear in the same search results. And they could kind of compete with each other there. That would be bad, right? <laughs> well, so I mean. It, it depends on what you want, because yeah. users will see that it's a PDF in the search results. And if they want a PDF, then maybe maybe that's the, the best choice for them. Uh, but that's that's ultimately up to you. So if I want the HTML to be indexed, I would need to set a canonical on the PDF, right? Yes. Um, you can, I, I believe you can set the canonical on the PDF with HTML headers. Uh, you can definitely also use no index in the headers uh, for for PDF files. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Thanks so much. Cool. Thanks. Uh, all right, Nick. Hey, John. Thanks Hi. for having us. Uh, my question, my main one, is centered around the idea of paginated content. So, if I have a say a long discussion thread with, you know, maybe a hundred or more comments, it's probably intuitive to split it over multiple pages. So the length of the initial page isn't too long for people to scroll. So the question is, 
let's say a new comment uh, is posted towards the end of the discussion thread, it gets added on to the end, which could appear, say, on page four or page five or beyond, because it's the newest comment. Um, and then across all pages of the discussion thread, you know, the date it was updated will reflect the most recent activity. However, the most recent activity does not appear until page four or page five, for example. Um, I'm just trying to get an idea of the best way or whether Google understands to, to crawl in through each page or whether the most recent comment needs to be featured more prominently. Uh, any, any recommendation along those lines? I, I think that's ultimately up to you. So that's something where I, I would try to think about like which which of these comments you want to prioritize. I, I assume if something is on page four, then we would have to crawl like page one, two, three first to find that. And usually that would mean that it's it's kind of like a longer away from the main part of the website. And from our point of view, what would probably happen there is we would not give it that much weight. Uh, and we would probably not recrawl that page as often. Uh, so that's something where if you're saying, well, if it's on page four, then it's probably not that critical, then that, that would be kind of how we would see it as well. Whereas if you say the newest comment should be the most visible ones, then maybe it makes sense to kind of reverse that order and show, that, show them differently. Uh, because if they're, the newest comments are right on the main page, then it's a lot easier for us to recrawl that more often and to give it a little bit more weight in, in the search results. So that's kind of, I, I guess, up to you, kind of how, how you want to balance that. Sure. And that's true, because some of the messages are timely. And we would want Google to know, oh, this is the newest content being added onto this, this series of pages. Um, am I correct in understanding, remember those old tags, link rel equals next and previous? Those were depreciated, correct? Yes. OK, so that doesn't even matter. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for for a canonical URL, you know, I already have um, several views of a thread. For instance, it could be sorted. The default sort is conversation order, but there's also sorting the newest messages first, as you kind of alluded to. But that's not the default. And then there's also sorting by the top voted, like in in order of you know in order of what was voted up the most. And however, in each case, the canonical is always on the default sort because I'm always concerned about uh, duplicate content across pages when it's it's simply viewing the same content in different ways. Um, does Google place uh, you know a lot of weight on the canonical, or is there still a chance Google might crawl it in those other sort orders? We, I, I would assume that we sometimes crawl it in the other sort orders, but we would probably use the canonical for the most part. Okay. Um, uh, because for, for canonicalization, we take into account different different factors. And that includes the rel canonical. It also includes things like internal linking. And I assume the internal linking will also go to that default sort order version. So probably most of those signals align already on the default sort order version. Uh, so for the most part, I would assume we just pick that one and, and stick with it. But I could see our systems trying out the different other versions from time to time as well, uh, just to make sure that there's nothing that we're missing. Because we don't know like what canonical might be specified on the other sort order pages. Uh, so we, we might try those out. OK. So I, I assume for indexing, we will probably use the default one. And for crawling, you would probably still see some activity on the others. OK, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, and then the last quick question, do you know if Googlebot is advanced enough to handle infinite scrolling yet? Or at least something where content A keeps building A little on bit. OK. But um, so no, I don't know. Like. Uh, I, I thought we, we had a page on that, but I, I think we, we might not actually have uh, finished that up. Uh, but essentially, what happens when we render a page is we use a fairly high viewport, like if you have a really long screen. And we render the page to see what, what the page would show there. And usually, that would trigger some amount of infinite scrolling in whatever JavaScript methods that you're using to, to trigger the infinite scrolling. And uh, whatever ends up being loaded there, that would be what we would be able to index. Uh, so 
that's something where depending on how you implement infinite scroll, it can happen that we have kind of this longer page in the index. It might not be that we have everything that would fit into that page, because depending on how you trigger infinite scroll, it might be that, oh, you're just loading the next page kind of thing. And then we might have two or three of these pages loaded on one page with infinite scroll, but not everything. Uh, so that's something where I would recommend testing that with the inspection tool and just seeing how much Google would actually pick up. All right. Well, appreciate it. Thank you so much, John. Cool. Thanks. All right, uh, Stefan. Yes, hello. <clears throat> um, I have an issue with, um, um, I explained it in the, in the uh, comments on the, on the YouTube page already, where uh, we have a website which uh, has been ranking for um, several years. Uh, it's a translated version of, a, uh, of the main website. We took it offline for about five months and then revived it. And ever since, the new website has shown in Google Search Console to have uh, around 40K valid crawled pages. Uh, yet, if you um, look into simple the search for Google and you type in the site name, it only shows like four to six pages. And if you go to the uh, internal links page of Search Console, it shows the root page. It shows that the root page has uh, 40K internal uh, references. And then it says there are no other pages. So the question is, um, are we doing something wrong or is Google doing something wrong? I don't know. I, it sounds like one of those things where I'd have to look at the specifics. Um, I don't know if you added the maybe the domain name or some of the details of the pages that you have indexed there. Uh, not yet, uh, but I could put it in. Uh, shall or, I put it in the chat or in the in sure. the uh, in the posting here in the chat? Yeah, if you can put it here in the chat, then I I can copy that out. And... This is the um, the domain where it is about. Okay. And it has has a sister domain in Dutch, which is ranking fine, but the German one is just strange, very strange. And it was offline for for a couple of months, or uh, it. Let me see. The main site is has been online since two thousand five. The translated German version was online from two thousand and ten till the end of two thousand and twenty, and it has been offline from. December 2020 till uh, June uh, 2021, okay. serving 404s. Yeah. OK. I, it feels like it should be catching up in the meantime. But uh, I, I can pass that on to the team to, to double check if there's anything on our side that it has been, uh, it has been like this from August till now. So it is showing only one valid page with 40K internal links without other pages. So it's kind of strange. Yeah. OK. I'll take a look. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. All right. Um, let's maybe jump to some of the submitted questions. And I'll get back to, to all of the many people with your raised hands as well uh, towards the end. and. I have a bit more time afterwards as well to, to kind of extend if we have need for more questions. Uh, let's see. Is there a good ratio or consideration on Google side when it comes to amount of pages? In other words, are positions of high traffic ranking pages hurt by many, uh, let's say, 50% of total pages on a domain not being indexed or being indexed but not receiving traffic? Uh, from our point of view, there's no specific ratio that we would call out for like how many pages a website should have or how many indexable pages a website should have. That's ultimately really up to you. Uh, what, what I tend to see is that fewer pages tend to perform better in the sense that if you can concentrate the value of your content on fewer pages, then in general, those few pages tend to be a lot stronger than if you were to kind of dilute the content across a lot of different pages. Uh, so that's something where usually I would recommend having fewer pages rather than having more pages. 
And uh, that kind of plays across the board in the sense that from, from a ranking point of view, we can give these pages a little bit more weight. From a crawling point of view, it's easier for us to keep up with these. Uh, so especially if you're starting off with a new website, I would recommend starting off small, focusing on something specific that you want to achieve, and then expanding from there. And not just going in and saying, well, I have 500,000 pages, and I want Google to index them all. Because especially for a new website, when you start off like in such a big number of pages, then chances are we will just pick up a, a small sample of those pages. And whether or not that small sample is the pages that you care about most, that's kind of questionable. Um, Let's see. When using URL inspection in Search Console on established, highly visible pages, how concerning is it that the referring pages listed are long-retired microsite domains? Uh, that would not bother me at all. Uh, so in particular, the referring page in, search in the inspection tool is kind of where we first saw the uh, mention of your pages. And uh, if we first saw them on some random website, then that's just where we saw them. And that's kind of what we list there. It doesn't mean that uh, there's anything bad with, with those pages. Uh, so from our point of view, that's purely a technical thing. It's like, well, here's where we found it. Uh, it's not a sign that you need to kind of like make sure that it was first found on some very important part of your website. Uh, so if if your pages are indexed, I, I think that's the important part there. I wouldn't really worry about where they were first found. Um, I usually use the for the referring page when you run across pages that you think, like, why did Google even find this page? Or where did this come from? If there are weird URL parameters in there, or if there's something really weird in the URL where you're saying, well, Google should never have found this page in the first place. Then looking at the referring URL is something that helps you to figure out, like, where did this actually come from? Is this something that I did? Or maybe some random person on the internet uh, dropped a broken link to my website somehow, and that got picked up. Uh, that can help you a little bit to figure out, is it something you need to fix, or is it just the way the internet is? Um, our CMS platform is now automatically generating the sitemap file with a different file name than before. We 301 redirected the old sitemap to the new one. We uh, will keeping the 301 redirect permanently cause any issues with crawling or indexing. Um, the, the redirect is fine. I, I think that's a good practice to have. What I would also do is just make sure that the new URL of the sitemap file is directly submitted in Search Console, or at least uh, in the robots.txt file, so that we can go directly to the sitemap file and that we don't have to go through the redirect. I, I don't think that changes anything significantly. It just makes it a little bit cleaner in that we can go directly to the sitemap file and get all of those URLs. It's not going to change your site's ranking. Uh, it just makes it a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner. Um, let's see. A question about the indexing API in e-commerce sites. I think we touched upon that before. The indexing API is really just for job postings and kind of these live events. Uh, in the Search Console report, 97% of the crawl work requests are refresh, and only 3% is discovery. How to optimize this and let Google discover more pages? Um, we don't really have any guidelines on how, how that balance should be and how you should uh, try to tweak it. Uh, in general, it's, it's kind of normal for especially a, an older, more established website to have a lot of refresh crawl. Because we will look at like the, the amount of pages that we know about that grows over time. And the amount of new pages that comes in tends to be fairly stable. Uh, so it's, it's pretty common, especially for a website that is kind of established and just kind of like slowly growing, to, to have a balance like this that most of the crawling is on the kind of refresh crawling and not so much on the discover crawling. I think it would be different if you had a very short-lived website, um, maybe, I don't know, classifieds or kind of local news where you have a lot of new articles that come in 
and the old content becomes irrelevant very quickly, then I think we would tend to focus more on discovery. Uh, but especially if you have something like an e-commerce site where you're just growing the amount of content that you have slowly and most of the old content remains valid, I, I tend to see that uh, the amount of refresh crawling there, that's probably, probably going to be a bit higher. Um, during the last few weeks, I've noticed a huge drop in crawl stats from 700 to 50 per day. Is there a way to understand uh, from the Search Console report what could be the cause of this drop? Uh, could it be source page load? How can I correct, uh, correctly read the crawl request breakdown? Uh, so on, on our side, there, there are a few things that go into the amount of crawling that we do. Uh, on the one hand, we try to figure out how much we need to crawl from a website to keep things fresh and useful in our search results. And that kind of uh, relies on understanding the quality of your website, how things uh, change on your website. Uh, we, we call that the, the crawl demand. And on the other hand, uh, there's kind of the limitations that we see from your server, from your website, from your network infrastructure with regards to how much we can crawl on a website. And we try to balance those two. And uh, the restrictions are tend to be tied to two main things. On the one hand, the overall response time to requests uh, to, to the website. And uh, on the other hand, uh, the number of errors, specifically server errors that we see during crawling. Uh, so if we see a lot of server errors, then we will slow down crawling, because we don't want to cause more problems. If we see that your server is getting slower, then we will also slow down crawling, because again, we don't want to cause any problems with the crawling. Uh, so those are kind of the, the two main things that come into play there. Uh, the, Difficulty, I think, with the speed aspect is that we have two essentially different ways of looking at speed. And sometimes that gets confusing when you look at the crawl rate. Uh, so specifically for the crawl rate, we just look at how quickly can we request a URL from your server. And the, the other aspect that, of speed that you probably run into is everything around Core Web Vitals and how quickly a page loads in a browser. And the speed that it takes in a browser tends not to be related directly to the speed that it takes for us to fetch an individual URL on a website. Uh, because in a browser, you have to process the JavaScript, pull in all of these external files, uh, render the content, kind of recalculate the positions of all of the elements on a page. And that takes uh, a different amount of time than just fetching that URL. So that's kind of one thing to watch out for if you're trying to diagnose a change in crawl rate, then don't look at how long it takes for a page to render. And instead, look at just purely how long it takes to fetch that URL from the server. Uh, the other thing that comes in here as well is that from time to time, uh, we or well, depending on what, what you do, we, we try to understand where the website is actually hosted in the sense that if we recognize that a website is changing hosting from one server to a different server, uh, that could be to a different hosting provider, that could be moving to a CDN or changing CDNs, anything like that, then our systems will automatically go back to some safe rate where we know that we're not going to cause any problems, and then step-by-step step increase again. Uh, so anytime you make a bigger change on your website's hosting, then I would assume that the crawl rate will drop. And then over the next couple of weeks, it'll go back up to whatever we think we can safely crawl on a website. And that might be something that you, you're seeing here. Uh, the other thing is that from time to time, our algorithms to determine how we kind of classify websites and servers they can update as well. So it can certainly happen that at some point, even if you don't change anything with your hosting infrastructure, that our algorithms will try to figure out, well, oh, actually, this website is hosted on this server, and this server is one that is frequently overloaded. So we should be more cautious with crawling this website so that we don't cause any problems. And uh, that's something that also settles down automatically over time, usually over a couple of weeks. And uh, if, if that were the case, then probably things will, will settle down and kind of 
uh, get back into a reasonable state again. Uh, the other thing that you can do in Search Console, you can specify a crawl rate. Uh, I believe it's in the setting per site. And uh, that helps us to understand that you have specific settings specifically for your website. And we'll try to take that into account. The difficulty with the crawl rate setting is that it's a maximum setting. It's not a sign that we should crawl as much as that, but rather that we should crawl at most that what you specify there. So usually, that setting is more useful for times when you need to reduce the amount of crawling, not when you want to increase the amount of crawling. And finally, it's like so many things that come into this. Uh, finally, uh, one thing that you can also do is in the, the Help Center for Search Console, we have a link to reporting problems with Googlebot. And uh, if you notice that the, the crawling of your website is way out of range for what you would expect it to be, uh, then you can report problems uh, with Googlebot through that link. Uh, what you need to do there is specify some of the IP addresses of Googlebot when it tries to crawl your page and give some information on the type of issue that you're seeing. And that could be like Googlebot is crawling a lot less than it could, or it could be that Googlebot is crawling way too much, or Googlebot is crawling all of these totally irrelevant URLs and they make totally no sense. And all of these reports go to the engineering team that works on Googlebot. And they tend to go through those and try to figure out what they need to tweak on their side uh, to improve the crawl. Uh, for the most part, you won't get a reply to the requests that you send there. But they all get read by the Googlebot team. And they do try to either figure out, do we need to do something specific for this one site? Or is this perhaps something that we can improve for the systems overall? Ooh, so many things about crawling. Um, let's see. We recently added web stories to, to my website, which is focused on marketing a destination. I put the name of the country, Jordan, in the title. Uh, the good news is I got thousands of impressions on them. The bad news is that it drove my overall click-through rate down to 0.5%. I am worried that uh, this low click-through rate is going to affect my search results for the whole website. Um, any advice? Uh, it, it will not affect the, the search results for your website. So that's kind of like the, the first thing to, to be really clear about. Uh, it's, it's not going to be that like some pages have a very low click-through rate. Therefore, we will rank this website lower. That's, that's not how it so uh, from, from that point of view, I would look at these web stories if they work well for you. And if they work well for you, what you're trying to achieve with your website, I, I would keep them. If the web stories themselves don't work well for you, then maybe tweak them or find a different format to use there. Uh, but I would not worry that the performance of the web stories somehow relates to the ranking of the rest of your content, because that's, that's definitely not the case. Um, I, I think with web stories themselves, doing SEO for them is sometimes tricky because there's very little text on them. Uh, so if you're getting impressions for them, then you're already doing some, some really good work. Um, but uh, in, in general, the, these are essentially HTML pages. They're presented in a slightly different way in the search results and in Discover. Uh, but uh, it's not going to be that those web stories will negatively affect the rest of your website ranking. Um, I see you also have your hand raised. So maybe I'll just uh, go over to you if there's anything more that you'd like to add to the question. I think you're on mute. Here we go. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, thank you for reassuring me. I was really worried about that because I've seen things that tell tell me that if the click through rate for your site is low, that you'll end up actually in a negative reinforcement loop where you keep dropping in the search results. No, no. That's, that's definitely <laughs> not the case. No. Yeah. And then the, the problem, though, is with SEO, because there aren't any plugins or any way to determine a keyword for a web story. Do you think this is something that will happen? I mean, it, it really would help me a lot. Um, I don't know. So. We, we include them in Search Console and as kind of normal pages as well. 
so there's a little bit of information there, but I, I do think it's, it's challenging just because there's so little textual content on these web stories. And uh, from a search ranking point of view, we, we almost need to figure out a little bit better like, how we can recognize this like, small amount of information in a web story and rank them appropriately. Uh, because they, they're very often really nice to look at. They give a lot of information to people, uh, but they just don't have a lot of text in them. Right. Well, this is the strange thing. I mean, I'm a very niche market doing one little camp in the desert, and I'm ranking six for Jordan. That's cool. I don't know how this happened, but it's not actually helping me at all. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> or not yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things you, you can or what, what I would also recommend doing is making sure that you embed the web stories well within your website so that uh, they're links from the web stories to the rest of your website, too. I'm afraid uh, to do that, or all the competitors will do the same. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, the advantage there is if people go to your web story, then they can still move on to the rest of your website. And that's exactly. kind of what you want them to do. Yeah. OK, thank you so much. Cool. Good luck. Thanks. Cool. Um, let me see. Some more questions here. How quickly does Google consider the effect of internal linking and rankings in terms of link juice? Is it recommended to highlight new content uh, with channeling link juice to it? Um, wow. I, I don't know. L link juice is always one of those terms where people have very conflicting feelings about uh, because it, it's not really kind of how our systems look at it. Um, with, with regards to internal linking, I, I do think this is one of the most important elements of a, of a website uh, because it's a great way for you to tell us what you would consider important on your pages. And uh, especially, like most websites have a home page that is seen as the most important part of the website. And especially links that you can provide from those important pages to other pages that you think are important, that's really useful for us. And it can be. Uh, that these are temporary links, too. Uh, for example, if you have an e-commerce site and you link to your new products from your homepage, then that's a really fast way for us to recognize those new products and to crawl and index them as quickly as possible and to give them a little bit of kind of like extra starting weight when you're starting off. Uh, but of course, if you remove those links, then that kind of internal connection is gone as well. And uh, with regards to how quickly that is picked up, I would assume that's essentially picked up immediately as soon as we recrawl and re-index those pages. So it's not that there's any kind of an extra latency that we would add where we would say, well, this internal link was just now added. Therefore, we'll look at it in a week. Uh, from our point of view, if we see an internal link and we kind of can follow it, then we'll go off and follow it as soon as we can. Um, the next question I have in the list is like super long, and we're kind of low on time. So maybe I'll just jump back to some of the live questions here. We have so many people still with raised hands. Uh, let's see, Davor. Hi, John. I uh, have two short questions. So basically, the first one is um, uh, about a smaller market that doesn't have so much competition. So it's not United States, right? Uh, so we're making a lot of upgrades on our site, like adding uh, frequently asked questions. We're getting good organic links on our pages. And um, we have more content than our competition, but we're firmly placed on the fifth position, and we can't move now for months. Um, basically, the, my question is, do you have any type of advice, any kind of advice that what, what we can do or what we can try to get our um, ranking up? I, I can't. I, I mean, I don't have anything specific to kind of say, like, in general, if you're in position five and you're doing a lot of things, you should also do this. Uh, when, when it comes to search and rankings, there are just so many different things that come into play there. Uh, so it's, it's not really like there's this one trick to get past position five. Um, essentially, it, it's. I don't know, a function of all of the, the competition that you have there, all of the other signals that we've collected for your site, for your content. Uh, so it, it's almost like keep doing good things uh, yeah. is, is kind of the best advice. 
Yeah, because some results in front of us are just uh, translations of, uh, say, English sites, which is automatic. It's not even, you know, content that is deliberately made. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. The second question is, um, we started a new page about two months ago, and we have pages that are discovered, but not indexed. So my question is just how long can we expect for that to last? And yeah, that can be forever. I, I, it's something where we, we just don't crawl and index all pages. Uh, and uh, it's, it's completely normal for, for any website that we don't have everything indexed. And especially with a newer website, if you have a lot of content, then I would assume that it's, it's expected that a lot of the new content for a while will be discovered and not indexed. And then over time, usually it, it kind of shifts over and is like, well, it's actually crawled or it's actually indexed uh, when we see that there's actually value in kind of focusing more on the website itself. Uh, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, so from, from that point of view, it's not that I would say you should just wait a little bit, and then suddenly things will get better with crawling and indexing. It's more that kind of like continue working on the website and making sure that our systems recognize that there's value in crawling and indexing more. And then over time, we will crawl and index more. Yeah. OK, thank you very much. Cool. Um, Hazel. Hey, John. Good morning. Hi. So I've got uh, I've got one question about uh, the subdirectory uh, way to build the different countries. So we are thinking about uh, build different English version pages for different countries in a way of subdirectory. Uh, as we uh, researched, I we found that some competitors they are doing this in they are doing the subdirectory in this way like the uh, the this, their category page is like uh, uh, www.example.com uh, with subdirectory like canada dash uh, english version and uh, and with their category page and both their page content and products url on this category page are all starts with that country subdirectory um, so we're thinking about doing it in this way, but as we discussed with our tech team, uh, they said it requires maybe more infrastructure, infras in infrastructure. So maybe we think if we can uh, like only set the display URL in subdirectory, but uh, but the product URLs on the category page is the uh, the exact same at the English site. Will it work? Do you think it's a good way that we can give a try or? How, how, how do you mean? I, I, I don't understand the, the workaround that you're looking at. Uh, so we are thinking about uh, our category page is, uh, is starts with subdirectory, but the product URL on the Subdirectory page, like the internal links, are still the English site without subdirectory. Yeah, in this way. Oh, okay. So the the category page would be per country, but the actual products themselves would be the same URL for all countries. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do you think it will work? Uh, it may be easier for Google Bot. I don't know. Um. I, I think it's suboptimal because it's it's almost like you're creating half of an international setup and not the full international setup. And uh, what I would try to look at there is w whether or not the the traffic from individual countries to those category pages is sufficient enough for you to make this kind of a change um, in the sense that uh, if, if the category pages themselves are not super visible in the search results, then probably by adding the international aspect just to the category pages themselves, I, 
I kind of worry that the effect that you would see from internationalization would be so small that it's not worth the effort. Uh, so it's, I, I, I think it's, it's hard to say in general for any website. Uh, it's, it's almost more something where what, what you could do is in Search Console look at kind of filter for the category pages if they have a specific uh, URL pattern and see how much traffic they get from individual countries. And then based on that, try to uh, consider what, what would change if the traffic from maybe the, the top three countries went to individual country versions uh, and uh, just for those category pages to try to figure out. I, I, I could imagine like it will be visible in the search results, but is it visible enough to be worth the effort that you put into it? Uh, because it, it could very well be that you put a lot of work into this, and the change in the category pages for visibility internationally is minimal. And then you decide, oh, I don't want to do anything for internationalization because it's like such a small effect. Uh, so I don't know. It's for my, from my point of view, I would be worried that you put a lot of work into it and don't actually get a lot of uh, new value out of it if you just take the category pages and not like think about what what the primary pages are for for the website. And it might be that the category pages are actually the primary pages, and putting the internationalization work into that is actually the most important part. Uh, but I, I think that's something you need to figure out first. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll take your advice into consideration. Uh, so as for like this geo-targeting, uh, besides using Halfline, how does Google figure out what geo-targeting to use for, for this specific website or this specific subdirectory? Um, we we try to group URLs by by clear patterns that we can recognize, and that's for example by subdomain or by subdirectory. Uh, so if you have the country in the in the subdirectory and a higher place in the path, then it's a lot easier for us to say everything under this path uh, is for this country. Everything under this other path is for another country, and you can also verify individual paths in Search Console and specifically say, this path is for this country or this path is for another country, uh, which makes it a little bit easier for us. Uh, in, in practice, I, I don't hear a lot of feedback from people saying that this makes a big difference. So I don't know if it's actually something you need to do, especially if it's a more kind of a complex setup. Uh, but I would try to make it so that it's as clear as possible which country is relevant for the individual URLs, uh, kind of with a clear path in the URL. Uh, there, I, I think there was a question someone submitted as well about using the country as a URL parameter at the end. Um, theoretically, you, you can do that. I think for our systems, it makes it a lot harder to recognize which URLs belong to which country. Uh, so. I would see that as being less likely for us to pick up for geotargeting. Uh, obviously, if you're using hreflang, then that's kind of less of an issue there because you can do that on a per URL basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. OK, I see. Thank you. So uh, another two questions is about crawling. So uh, like we are a huge e-commerce site. And as we checked our crawl report, and we found that there are a huge amount of uh, uh, URLs in the discovered but unindexed that tab, and uh, uh, about twice about twice than the index pages. Um, so is this uh, an indication of our site problem? And how can we identify the problem and solve it? Because we think it's an a huge issue, like. There are so many index pages. It should be index pages, but not indexed. And we also checked many times for our like um, basic technical points, like robots tags and maybe meta tags in code source. Um, we didn't find anything wrong with that. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I think it depends on what those pages are and how you kind of use them within your website. Uh, so in particular, uh, we, we find URLs of kind of like all, all kinds of URLs across the web. And a lot of those URLs don't need to be crawled and indexed uh, because maybe they're just variations of URLs we already know, or maybe they're just some random forum or scraper script that has copied URLs from your website and included them in a broken way. And we, we find all of these links all the time on the web. Uh, so it's, it's very normal to have a lot of these URLs that are either crawled and not indexed or discovered and not crawled, uh, just because there are like, so many different sources of URLs across the web. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I would do is, first of all, try to may maybe download a list of, of a sample of those so that you can look at individual examples and try to classify which of those URLs are actually ones that you care about and which of these are ones that you can ignore. And anything that looks kind of really weird as a URL, I will just ignore it. I don't think you need to do anything uh, specific for that unless you can tell that this link, this URL was found within your website. Mm -hmm. um, so. That's kind of the, the main classifications that I would take there. And the ones that you do care about, uh, that's something where I would try to figure out like, what you could do to better tie these in with your, in your website with regards to things like internal linking. Uh, so if these are individual products or categories that are just not being found, try to figure out what you can do in a systematic way to make sure that all of these URLs are better linked between each other. Because especially with a larger e-commerce site, it's, it can get tricky because you kind of like can't look at every URL individually all the time. Um, but um, sometimes there, there are kind of like tricks that you can do where you say, well, anything that is first level category, I link to it from my homepage. And uh, I make sure that my first level category has at most, I don't know, maybe 100 items or 200 items. Uh, so that you have kind of like a little bit of a forcing function in terms of what you give Google to crawl and index. And based on that, you can kind of like build it out a little bit more systematically. My guess is that uh, you're probably doing a lot of this right. And it's just that with a very large website, it's, it's kind of normal that we just can't pick up everything. Uh, so to some extent, like I, I would kind of just accept that as well. Google can't crawl and index everything. Um, one of the things you can do to help mitigate that a little bit is if you recognize, for example, that these are individual products uh, that are not being crawled and indexed, then make sure that at least the category page for those products is crawled and indexed, uh, because that way people can still find some content for those individual products. Uh, on your website. So it's not that people are not finding your website for those queries. It's more they're going to the category page rather than directly to the product page, which to a large extent is, is also fine. Mm -hmm. I see. So uh, yeah, we'll try a few several methods you said. And uh, yes, the, as we checked a few samples in our JS, uh, JSC backend, and most pages are our product pages. And we also have some category pages that, that are on index. So uh, basically, these pages are the most we care about, and we want them to index. Um, I think there is no like no, there is no URL like some uh, unimportant in the in the in the JSC backend. The Google crawl uh, the Google discover these pages. They all discover these important pages, but they are just they just don't index. They yeah yeah. Um, so one one thing I I would also try which I, I don't know, perhaps you're already doing, is to see if you can crawl your website yourself uh, so that you have a little bit more direct data of how, how a website like yours can be crawled. And there, there are various kind of crawling tools out there for very large e-commerce sites. I think it's tricky just because there's so many URLs. Uh, but maybe there's a way for you to kind of like limit it to one segment of your website. 
And by crawling the, the website yourself, you can also see which of these URLs are linked like very far away from the home page and which of these are linked closer to the home page. And uh, based on that, sometimes you can tweak the, the site structure a bit to kind of make sure that things are reasonably close or reasonably stable with regards to the distance from the home page. Oh, I see. So that's that's another method that we didn't like. Yeah, we didn't think of. So based on this uh, situation, do you think if we continue to like add new product pages and uh, add new category pages to our website, will these new pages be ranked further back in the in the Google Chrome query? Like they will rank um. at a later. It, yeah. it depends on, on how you implement them or integrate them within the rest of your website. So just because something is new doesn't mean we will crawl it less frequently. It's more we try to figure out, like, is, is this prominently linked within your website? So is the internal linking kind of telling us this is important or not? And if it's important, then we will crawl and index it, even if it's a new page. Uh, so just because something is new doesn't mean that we won't crawl and index it. Uh, so it's it's more like how you put it into your internal linking that matters there. Oh, so like uh, if we build new pages, uh, like in the Google Chrome query, maybe they are not in the at the later position than this existing not indexed. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Go to here. We'll try the methods you, you said. And thank you. Cool. All right. Um, I'm going to pause the recording here. I, I still have more time. It looks like we have like millions of people raising their hands. So we will try to see how, how many we can get through. Um, thank you for sticking around for so long. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're welcome to, to join us live in one of the future episodes. I tend to post the link for these uh, a couple of days ahead of time in the community section of our channel. Uh, so feel free to jump in there if you're keen on asking questions in person. Uh, otherwise, thanks, thanks again for all of the questions that were submitted. Thanks for all of the live questions as well. It's always good to, to hear from everyone.